104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yep, here we are again on another Sunday. And the first thing that we have to go over with last week's game is how wrong can Ned Reynolds possibly be? Oh, the Chiefs will never get blown out. What happened? They got blown out. Well, the first thing is for you to identify yourself. Well, I'm, I'm Joe Weston. I'm the guy that gives Ned a hard time. I don't give you that hard of a time, but when you make those proclamations, I always think, uh-oh, here we go. And they uh, got blown out. I'm going to make another proclamation today, too. So we'll hold our uh, vituperative <laughs> reaction to that. <laughs> okay. So, Ned Reynolds, I'm Joe Weston. John Oliver with us today. How are you, John? I'm doing well. I uh, I went to the game and I'm recovering from uh, the the long October that I that I spent up there. John, John's got a little PTSD mm-hmm. after last week's game. All right, let's let's unpack a lot of what we saw. First of all, let's get everybody caught up on the news. Daniel Sorensen, who is a fan favorite, there's so many people that come up to me and go, Daniel Sorensen, man, because he makes big plays. But he, uh, he got burned three times in the game. He's been benched today. And Juan Thornhill will start today's game for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a little depressing, Ned, when the Chiefs can't stop the run. And uh, last week, they obviously couldn't stop the big play either. Well, Buffalo is, is really not essentially a running team. And yet they had a pretty good level of stats in there. Same thing will happen today. The uh, Washington football team. Uh, is uh, Antonio Gibson's a, a, a good running back, but not a great one. And the, But that's exactly what Washington will try to do. It isn't so much the rushing defense. It's the defensive backfield. They do need to tighten up. I uh, There's no, no tangible reason for saying this. You can't see it as such other than the perception. I, I'm afraid Honey Badger may have lost that half a step as well as some of the others back there because they are not playing very well. Is Washington a good enough team to take advantage of that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> hey, don't write that down either, Weston. That, <laughs> that is not to be used as evidence. But I don't think this is going to be that severe a challenge. What do you think, Joe or John? Well, I mean, being at the game and having a bird's-eye view of, of what I saw uh, I can say this. I love I love Daniel Sorensen. He's made so many big plays for the Chiefs, but it was it was hard to watch. He was definitely two three steps behind on most of the routes that Moss, the tight end, ran. You know, it was Diggs burned him on one. It it was it was hard to watch, and I think they made the right decision by benching him. I know it might not be popular because Joe, like you said, he is a fan favorite, and I think there's still a place for him. He can you know still hop out on special teams and that sort of thing, but I I just don't think I don't think he's right for the secondary Keep any longer. Keep in mind now, when you say fan favorite, he had been you know Dirty Dan and all this sort mm-hmm. of thing because of some big plays he'd made. But last week when he got torched. It was rather obvious to all <laughs> concerned because if you read uh, some of the comments on the Chiefs' website and things like it, hey, the guy doesn't have it. Uh, he cost yeah. us and all this sort of thing. Well, that's not the case. He didn't cost anybody, but yeah. he was not up to the challenge. He was not at all. Well, let's let's talk about this for a second because th- the big knock on the Chiefs has been the run defense. But last week, and Buffalo's a very good football team. They're they're a Super Bowl caliber football team. Mm-hmm. What do the Chiefs do to fix what is now not a small problem? It's a huge problem because they can't stop the pass. They can't stop the run. 
there's a lot of guys on that defense that are banged up, not able to get in there and play. And, you know, I feel like we're almost, and I've had a couple of Chiefs fans say this to me, where we were the Super Bowl winning season when they were saying, if such and such comes back, if, if it'll all be okay there. I, I don't think that this is going to be okay when, when Frank Clark and, and those guys are all healthy. I, I think there's still major problems here. Now, Chris Jones won't even play today. Yeah. He, he is out. He has yep. this lingering wrist injury. Uh, I'll tell you what, Joe, what I'm going to, the assessment I'm going to make. I don't think the Chiefs are in a dire set of circumstances. Keep in mind now, they have played some pretty good football teams here in the early part of the season. This, today's game, is not one of them. Next week, when they, it's the Giants they play next week, isn't they aren't one of them. There'll be some other tougher assignments coming up, but now we're into a differing portion of the season. If the Chiefs struggle today against this team, even with the game being in the capital at FedEx Field, Mm -hmm. if the Chiefs struggle with this one, then yes, I think there is cause for some concern. Bringing some players back, a guy like Chris Jones, although he hasn't, even when healthy, hasn't, hasn't been particularly effective at this new position. They do have some distinct liabilities on this team, but these are liabilities that I think can be, I think they can, there's a resolution to them. And maybe it's a change in philosophical approach. As you were pointing out earlier on the diagram, I think maybe they need to change their defensive scheme somewhere along the line. Uh, John made a very interesting point about Josh Gordon, leaping as high as he's ever seen a human being in that in that one catch. That's great that it's on offense. Right. You need somebody on defense. The offense is going to come together. Mahomes will make sure that happens. But defensively, You've got to have a leader out there on the field in every single respect. Mm-hmm. Matthew has been that leader, but he's also got to do it himself. Yes. And the others have to follow suit. I think, again, I don't think today will be a pendulum swing unless Kansas City struggles. And then I do think you have some problems. Yep. Well, going, going into this game, let me point this out. The Chiefs and the team from Washington both have the same record, two and three, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> well, in, in a sense, Washington has a win over the Atlanta Falcons and another one over, and I've forgotten who else they beat. But they have lost. They lost big time to New Orleans. Now, 33-22 is not a big-time score, but New Orleans isn't very good. And you lose to them at home. Then you lose. They lost the Buffalo Bills, huge, 43-20. to I think the final score was something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, they're 2-3. and three, But you have, you have a QB... Uh, Taylor Heineke, who nobody's ever heard of before, uh, in his second year, first first time as a, a starting quarterback, and you do have some weapons in the you know, on the offense, but you have a very very flimsy defense, and uh, it it just falls into Kansas City's lap. I think is to being a game in which they can get some things done. Mm-hmm. John, what do you think? couple of things that that I've observed and I mean I hear people say you know with Jones out this week you know well when we get him back well he's been there and I'm I'm not saying this to be funny to be crass or anything I haven't heard his name called all year in watching the games and it's I mean it's a big problem that's your that's your pass rusher and you know I know it's a position move this year but at the same time you just don't hear his name called um, with Sorensen, I think the replacement is Juan Thornhill. And I'll say this, I think that's going to be a, a vast improvement. Thornhill looked great last year before, you know, the injury. If he's healthy, 
he can keep up with these wide receivers, and I think he'll make a difference in the secondary. Now, is that enough? That remains to be seen, but, I mean, it is it is an upgrade to me. We've seen a little trickle-down effect with the Chiefs. They came on the first game of the season, and they looked, you know, the offense got it done, the defense did what they needed to do, and I thought, yeah, it's the old Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They, as Ned, you always say, the bend-not-break philosophy, and they came up with some big stops late in the game. Then the Ravens game, and then they played the Chargers, and, and it's just steadily gotten worse. And what's happening now is that at first, we, they're not stopping the run. Now they're not stopping the pass. And I, we mentioned this last week. One of the announcers that in the game that I watched said, well, this is what the Chiefs defense is designed for, to be up by 14. And now what you're seeing is, is the Chiefs are in that situation. They be, they get into a very predictable offensive pattern, and that's causing a great deal of turnovers, and that's causing the offense to now look out of sync. Well, we're looking back at a little bit of history, and two years ago, you might remember in the playoffs, the Chiefs were behind the, I think it was the Houston Texans, if I remember correctly, 24 to nothing at one time and came back in a snap of the fingers. Well, the, gen, the fan, the casual fan, thinks, well, they can do that again, of course, any time. This is pro football, guys, and the uh, the best of the best are playing in this game. So you're up against some pretty doggone good teams, which surprisingly enough make adjustments. Uh-huh. Again, I'm going to I'm going to focus on the lament that I have made many many times. <laughs> we live in an isolated area. We live in only the direct focal point of these teams. So therefore, that's all we hear about. There are other teams in the league, and they're playing to win. Uh, today, I really don't think this, this is one of them. Washington yeah. is just in uh, something, a level of disarray. They are indirectly involved in the John Gruden situation. Uh, th- there are just so many variables involved with this team. I like Ron Rivera. He's a very good coach. But you've got to have the horses to get out there and play. In, in regards to Kansas City's abilities, I think this is an important test today, not so much from whether they win or lose, because I think Kansas City wins rather substantially. But how they play, what they de- what they play, and what the direction of play is, I think is going to determine a lot. I'll say this. Um, you know, I've picked a lot on the defense this year. And let me pick on the offense for just a little bit from this last game. Um, there were so many false start penalties I lost count. And those are totally unnecessary. On top of that, uh, I'm sure everybody remembers the interception that went off, you know, Hill's helmet. Uh, there's no reason his hand shouldn't have been up on that play. It was just a blown play. Now teams are still continuing to double-team Kelsey and Hill. You know, the the catch for Gordon that I talk about, as impressive as it was his vertical on that, that was a blown pass. It was way overthrown. It was supposed to be for Robinson downfield. He leapt and saved that from either being an INT or a very, very incomplete pass. Uh, I would say this. Patrick Mahomes does not look like himself. Not at all. He does not look comfortable, and he feel and it looks to me like he is trying to take the game on his shoulders and win it with each and every drive down the field. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on that team. If you if you feel like the defense is going to give up a score every time, then the offense it feels that pressure. 
the offense sees that they have to go out and they have to be perfect and they have to score every time they have the ball. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. Ned, it is making me very, very nervous that you're chalking this this game up today to the Chiefs already uh, because you thought the Chiefs would beat the Bills last week. You also said the Chiefs won't get blown out. Both those things happened, <laughs> so you're scaring me right now. I'm only alluding to it now. I have not said that it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you exactly why Mahomes is playing the way he is, and this is, again, I haven't interviewed the man or anything of that nature, so there's really no way of knowing it, nor would he admit to this. But this is a new offensive line. Yes, they are veteran players, but they are all new. Tooney in there with his with his injury. You have uh, Louis Niang, who sat out all of last year. Orlando Brown, who's new. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, who's a rookie. Mm-hmm. No wonder Mahomes doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in this line because he hasn't worked with them over a great period of time as he had with some of the others. And it is it's a learning experience, I think, for everybody. And then you run into the problem of these newcomers in there. Yeah, they come in with great pedigree, but are they able to handle the complicated playbook that Kansas City has? Offensive linemen, folks, aren't just there to stand up and block. They have certain specific assignments they have to follow, and it's it's a rather complicated one. Maybe that hasn't taken effect. I think there are a lot of variables that we do not know in Tooney uh, has been injured himself. I think he plays today, although he's listed as questionable. But there are, again, a number of factors that have to be taken into consideration here. It is a team, in all honesty, Joe, that is, I, I will tell you, I don't see, uh, they don't, the, my perception of them is that they are not together. They're not playing as a unit. It is not cohesive, consistent football as it has been uh, in the past. But that is not to say that it can't be corrected. However, again, I'm going to reiterate, if the Chiefs struggle in this one today, they shouldn't. But if they do, then I think there may be some cause for concern for the rest of the season. They just flashed a statistic up on the screen that said the Chiefs are giving up nearly seven and a half yards <laughs> per play on offense. Yes. That means first down every other play. Mm-hmm. That also means touchdown on every drive. Right. You cannot subsist that way. But they're also playing against a quarterback, Taylor Heineke, today, who nobody knows. He's a second-year man. He's in replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been injured. Can he get that accomplished? Mm -hmm. There's where I think maybe the Chiefs have an advantage. One other thing that I'd like to add we haven't touched on yet, Edwards Hilaire, of course, is going to miss a few weeks. That doesn't help at all on the offensive side. It weakens the running game. And I don't know how much of this was televised, but the scariest part to me about that injury, you could tell he was hurt. They were, you know, the other players were immediately on him. I don't know if they showed Patrick Mahomes on the broadcast, but he was leaping, waving for the medics to get in. And you knew it was bad at that point. I'm glad it, I mean, it's still a severe injury, but it looked much, much worse on the field and especially by Mahomes' reaction. Let's talk about the injuries right now because it's, it's a growing story for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Hilaire is on the injured reserve list. Tyreek Hill will play today, but he's questionable. Blake Bell is uh, out. Joe Tooney is questionable but should play today. Chris Jones is out. Anthony Hitchens questionable. 
Javarius Ward is out. That's two of your three linebackers Oof. right there, questionable or out. So a lot of big names on the defense and the offense out. Defense, I mean, even if those guys are back, they just the Chiefs' defense looks slow. Mm-hmm. Remember now, when you're in the draft, a lot of folks and and the media, the media mm-hmm. is very much guilty of this. You look at who the first and second rounds and the big names and all that. Folks, with the pro football team, you're also, and it's a key part of the draft, you're drafting for depth. And I'm not sure the Chiefs have ever really consistently done that. Their depth factor is very much in question. But, Joe, you make an interesting point, too, even when their starters are in there. That defensive backfield and, Mm -hmm. well, defense period has been very, very much in question. So then what do you do? Well, you look for the leader, Mr. Spagnolo, who was brought in here as the Mm -hmm. savior of the defense. And is he? Because one of the worst defenses in the past 20 years in National Football League was the 2013 New Orleans Saints. They were giving up boku amounts of yardage. Mm -hmm. And who was their defensive coach? On the sidelines with Kansas City right now. This is, by statistics, the worst defense that the NFL has seen in 70, close to the worst in 71 years. They referred to the Colts. Mm -hmm. In 1950, being giving up slightly more yardage than the Chiefs give up. And you have to win on both sides of the ball if you're going to win the game. And the Chiefs' blueprint has been to get up early on teams. So I think the first thing that they need to do is stop deferring. Take the ball right away. Go down the field. Put the pressure on the other team right away. Maybe Mm -hmm. take a little pressure off the defense. But again, if the offense feels the pressure, and John said it watching the game, the offense looks out of sync, don't you think? Well, a case in point. You say they need to get that ball and march right down the field. That's what they did with the Bills last week, only it took them 15 plays to do it, and all they got was a field goal out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, that tells you something right there. As a matter of fact, watching the game in the comfort of my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred. Were you laying in bed while you are watching that? I was. Yes, all right, okay. I'd written my scripts, and we were all set to go. Just just for some visual imagery out there, we're supposed to paint a picture. Well, it is not a pretty picture, believe me. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> but the fact is, when I watched them going out, boy, this is a really methodical drive. But mm-hmm. Gee, it doesn't usually take the Chiefs 15 plays. And then when they ended with a field goal, Oh, boy, that mm-hmm. is not good. That seems not to happen good. a lot. Yeah. It does. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems to happen a lot that they that they end with field goal. So quickly, I mean, I, I asked you this question this week, and uh, you said no, but uh, let's go around here really quickly and ask, is it time to push the panic button? No. You don't think so. No. Why, why not? Well, for one thing, this game coming up today, I think is going to maybe not solve a lot of problems, but ease them because I think Kansas City really has a pretty good per, uh, performance. This, this Washington team just simply is not of the capabilities of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that will maybe mask or at least soothe some of the anxiety that is going on right now. Again, I'll add this as a footnote, though, or a little addendum to it. If the Chiefs don't have a good game today, then yes, I think there is time to maybe get that panic button and look at it. And After all, Joe, we're not even at the halfway point of the season yet. Right. It's not even there. What do you think, John? I think it's a concern. I don't know that I hit the panic button. You know, lost in all the negativity on this, there were two bright spots last week. Nick Bolton looked really good on defense. He was the only one that was consistently making stops. And I'll say this, as far as the, you know, the offense goes, McCole Hardman was had one of his finest games, in my opinion. He was kind of the possession receiver. He was the savior that was getting a few short passes 
held on to the ball, didn't seem as quite flashy as he has in the past. So I, I do think it's time for concern. Not panic, but concern. We talked about the injuries uh, going around. Joe Tooney apparently played all last week with a broken hand, mm-hmm. so we'll see if he's in there today. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Chiefs pregame show starts in 25 minutes. Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and the whole crew, they'll get you set for the Chiefs and the Washington football team, as they're now officially known. (laughs) That's the name they came up with. I don't know. Apparently, uh, it may I'm, stick too, Joe. You no, know, I think that's yeah. I think that's what they've decided that they're going to be the Washington Football Team. Okay, all right, whatever works for you. They still wear the burgundy and gold, though. Yeah, yes, I am. Uh, yeah, we've we've talked about this many times, so no need to rehash it. But let's uh, let's talk about coaching right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things. One is obviously what Steve Spagnuolo's got going on is not working, and obviously. When the big play is taken away from the Chiefs, something else has to work out. What's Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola do? What did they do this week? Can't speak for Spagnola, but on the offense, there are ways of adjusting your offensive scheme. Now, without Edwards Hilaire in there, that's going to be a little uh, mm-hmm. difficult to start a running attack. And the other, the other runners are their average, Mm -hmm. but that's what teams are going to start expecting. In terms of your passing offense, your big play offense, I think the Chiefs start to go to Kelsey much more regularly than they have been. The over the middle, hey, it's called dink and dunk. And what you do, it wins. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not be big plays, and you may not rack up huge scores, but you do accrue a lot of yardage, and you take time off the clock. Mm -hmm. And you keep your offense out on the field capable of coming up with a big play. But to consistently go for it, no, I I can't buy that. Uh, Mahomes has had great success this year and and in the past with rolling out on apparent panic plays and finding a Tyreek Hill Mm -hmm. and other key receivers downfield of Sammy Watkins when he was with the team. Those guys weren't double teamed. They are now. And Mm -hmm. that facet of his attack has been taken away from them. When you blitz Patrick Mahomes, their line is constructed in such a way as to allow him to break free out of that pocket and run because he can scramble. But you're taking a big chance with him carrying the ball. He's your leader on the field. Mm -hmm. You don't want that to happen on a regular basis. And last week, he led the team in rushing with 61 yards. Yes, he did. You can't have that. It does not work. So perhaps some changing of the offensive scheme needs to be done. And on defense, other than a host of new players, I don't know (laughs) what the answer is. Well, when you look at most NFL teams, most Two things are said about each side of the ball. One is guys in the offensive line love to run block because they're the aggressor Mm -hmm. when they do that. When they pass block, they're being bull rushed. Guys in the defensive line, they love to rush the passer. The Chiefs are in a very predictable – they're in a predictable situation going into this game. Mm Mm-hmm. 
not just in games that they play, but going into this game with Hilaire out. And I don't think they're using Hilaire as much as they should. I don't think that they're establishing any sort of run game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's difficult because I, you know, sometimes Hilaire's not, let me say this, and it may upset people. He's an average running back. He's he average to below average running back. He's not had the big numbers of a running back that you would expect to see that's going to scare a defensive team into thinking, well, they could give it to him because the Chiefs eventually go completely away from running and go mm-hmm. completely to pass. He's not a Derrick Henry. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And he and he's not a very big guy. He's, what, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, although over 200 pounds. He's a powerful kid. But, no, he's not going to get that big bull-like rushes that rushing teams expect. But that's not the Kansas City offensive scheme. They not, they're not running. They're not built to run. They're built for the pass. That's why I say, hey, throw the sideline patterns, the over-the-middle uh, pattern. Mm-hmm. You've got Kelsey, who's an all-pro tight end, still is just very tough. Did get shaken up a little bit for the first time that I can even remember a, a Kelsey being shaken up. I think he may have taking a blow to the head or something mm-hmm. of that he did. caliber. But the if the fact is, he is there. He's a good receiver. And the Chiefs can build their scheme around that as opposed to going for those big plays. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this a little bit. When he was here, Mitch Holtis was very high on Noah Gray. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played at all, to my knowledge. Yeah. Could you see the possibility of the Chiefs maybe going to a two-tight-in offense, giving them another passing Well, they do have in. that with Blake Bell, Bell. but he's yeah. not going to play today. But could you see that with Noah Gray? Well, probably not because he had, doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the game experience of getting in there. And, How do you get that, though? Well, but not, not at mid-season. You get it in the exhibitions and in the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I haven't seen his name uh, boosted to the forefront as such, so I don't think that's going to happen. Kelsey will be the tight end, and Blake Bell, of course, would be the other one. But the fact is I think they do need to concentrate a little bit more on the outs the sideline patterns, mm-hmm. because you do have the receivers who can get that done. You mentioned the last week when we talked about changing philosophies, and you said, nope, too soon, and ego's involved. Do you think ego on the other side of this is starting to get involved? I mean, do you, th- do you think at some point everybody's sitting in an office with Andy Reid, and he said, what the hell? What are we, what are we doing? <laughs> Let's let's do something different. I mean, because you do. I mm-hmm. I think in anything, whether you're playing football or whether you're, you know, working in insurance or whether you're, whatever you're working at a car lot, something's got to change at some point if it's not working for you. Uh, Joe, nothing lasts forever. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. there's no question about that. You could almost predict that this would happen. It happened to the St. Louis Rams mm-hmm. when they won the Super Bowl. The next year they played the Super Bowl and lost and then phew, a precipitous downhill to where mm-hmm. they moved. Well, that's not going to happen to the Chiefs. But we did see winning the Super Bowl, losing it decisively last year, not mm-hmm. in a close game. And now this year getting off to a slow start. Maybe this is all part of the rhythm of pro football because, again, we have to point out we have on many, many occasions – these are all, all top-notch football players with every team in the entire league, even the worst ones, even the Washington Nationals. No, um, Washington Nationals. I was going to call them the Washington Nationals. That's the baseball team. Even yeah. the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Come on, you've got good players out there. These are mm-hmm. guys who can rally to the cause. So 
it is a circumstance in which adjustments are made. You have other smart people out there making your formulas as to what's going to happen. It's part of the metamorphosis of the game. Everybody loves playing armchair quarterback and armchair head coach. And obviously, I just played some there for a few minutes. But mm-hmm. what do you think, John? Funny you bring that up because that's exactly what I was going to talk about. I'm by no means an NFL head coach. I don't claim to be. But I do know what Ned's talking about is the rest of the league does always catch up to everybody. To me, the only way that Chiefs are going to turn things around is you do have to change up the offensive scheme. I would go so far as to say the Chiefs have one of the most athletic receiving cores in the history of football. Yeah. You have Robinson, Pringle, Hardman, Hill, Kelsey. Gordon. Gordon. So, for a while, I know the big pass is sexy and that's what everybody likes. But with them double-teaming Kelsey and Hill so much, you can't double-team the other three receivers that are out there. You've got to start throwing some possession passes. Yeah, it may only be a seven-yard gain, but you've got to change the way teams look so they'll stop double-teaming them, and then you have that big play. You talked about Hilaire being an average running back. I'd agree with you or even below average. The problem was coming out of LSU, he was highly touted for his pass-catching abilities. And he hasn't done We've much seen of that none of that, none of that. with I Kansas know, right. City. None of and it. that takes away a huge facet that would help combat these double teams. One of the things I want to say, you're right. They do have the most athletic wide receiving core. But I don't care if you're athletic if you can't catch the football. Right. And that's the problem is that I don't think Patrick Mahomes has enough confidence in McCole Hardman, mm-hmm. Marcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Marcus Kemp, and now Josh Gordon's added to that mix, and it takes a while to build that comfort level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's checking down. Hill's covered. Kelsey's covered. And sometimes he's trying to force a pass to those two guys because he lacks the confidence in those other guys, and they have to Agreed. step up. They have to step up. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, uh, am not an NFL head coach, but I did coach YMCA flag football <laughs> ah. for two seasons, and I yes. would say that that does make me some type of expert, <laughs> right? We'll be back in just a minute with more Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. About 20 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. We do our our little telecast here, our little... uh, Little Rascals telecast that we do here. We put on a show for everybody. Let's talk about, uh, we talked about Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola maybe having a bad week. There's another coach that had a really bad week. John Gruden. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's your thoughts? This this story developed last Friday, a week ago, and, and some emails where he made disparaging remarks about a particular person. And then over the weekend, I heard a lot of support for John Gruden. Uh, Mike Tirico had said that he'd worked, you know, of course, worked with John Gruden on the Monday Night Football. Never seen an ounce of racism out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, even um, um, Tony Dungy came to his support and mm-hmm. said, you know, these comments are wrong. 
He's apologized for them. Let's move on. Sunday, Gruden said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I said, I'm sorry. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. And then more emails popped up on Monday. And on Tuesday, he's gone. Gone by his own decision because of well, he, he knew also what else was probably going to be forthcoming from this. And it isn't just those remarks of 10 years ago. There have been a whole litany of them uh, uh, made since then. And it all involves the uh, Washington football team's investigation. Uh, I view it, obviously, they're, they're wrong comments. I, I'm not sure that I'm going to tell you that they're racist. They're more a personal destruction of an individual as a person opposed to being racist the individual involved was african-american yes but uh, does that necessarily pinpoint a guy as being racist no you say the same thing about um, us and <laughs> in fact has been <laughs> yep. but, but uh you don't make comments like that it no. just is not socially acceptable my the other point there and i'm not defending anything mm-hmm. but where does your where does your privacy allowances in this country and your right to voice an opinion? We do all live under the Constitution of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with that part. I mean, this I think this could turn into a big witch hunt with private emails being leaked publicly. I do have a pretty strong opinion about Trump, John Gruden. Oh, uh, did you just make a slip there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Gruden is not a very good person. I've I've determined that in my life. I've seen his mannerisms. I've heard stories. Uh, here's the problem I have with Gruden. He was on the Ring of Honor, of course, in Tampa Bay for bringing that Super Bowl home. Well, a lot of people can bring a Super Bowl home when they inherit a very good coach's team and the talent's already there and the will to win's already there. Gruden hasn't impressed me in any other facet. The Raiders started off hot this year, and then they came back down to earth. So at the end of the day, I don't even like Gruden as an analyst when I hear him. He's just very, very cocksure of himself. <laughs> and I just, I, I don't enjoy, you know, watching him or teams that are led by him, to be honest. Let's well, let's stop and talk about this, because I heard so many people say you know, John Gruden won the Super Bowl with the team that was built by Tony Dungy. The team he played in the Super Bowl was the team he built, the Raiders. And they were they were a very good football team mm-hmm. at that time. So you have to say he's a good coach because I don't think in, in the history of the NFL you've ever seen that before where the coach was playing the team that he built the year before. And he was able to do something that Tony Dungy was not able to do, and that's push that team over the over the goal line to use the the sports euphemism. Yeah. But I, you know, as I don't know anything about John Gruden personally. I mean, I've never met the man. I don't. I the haircut bothers me. <laughs> let's let's just say that. But Mark Davis's haircut bothers me. Uh, but I think what I want to ask you guys real quickly is, if we go around the room, is do you think? that he left of his own volition or do you think that he was told you know what leave before we fire you because mark davis came out with very strong words very quickly on friday against what john gruden had said and as you know the nfl is still 
somewhat of a player's league when it comes to these decisions. And do you think the team went to the management and said, we're not going to, we're not playing for this guy anymore. In, uh, in my opinion, it was probably a 70, 30 decision, 70% his Gruden saying, uh, I'm not going to be effective here. And 30% from the ownership saying, we agree like you to stay as a coach, but it, it really can't be done. But so, yes, I think it's probably a circumstance in which he did resign, but he knew he had to resign. And, and you're right. If those comments are taken as racist comments, Oh my goodness! You're playing in a in a league that is uh, heavily heavily populated with African American athletes, mm-hmm. and if this is perceived as being a diatribe toward them, which I don't think it was, I think it was more a personal uh, insult to an individual who happened mm-hmm. to be of that race. But over and above that, it's o- over. It's done with. And De Gruden, in my opinion, made the right decision to step down. Does he ever have a future in the NFL again? I'm afraid that's been fractured. Yeah, well, let's point it out. Don't feel too sorry for John Gruden because he doesn't have to win an NFL game again for the rest of his life. Right. And he's set. (laughs) John, what do you think? Was he forced out or or did he do it on his own? I'm going to disagree with Ned a little bit here. I think in the times we live in where comments like this, especially right now, are held under such a microscope with cancel culture, I, I will say I do think Mark Davis and, you know, the ownership sat down with him to talk, but I think their mind was made up regardless. I think the option was given to resign and save some face. But at the end of the day, I really I don't think there was an option that he would have been able to stay even if he'd wanted to. No, I agree with you there. There wouldn't have been. That's why I say it's probably 70, 30. Yeah, we'll back right. whatever whatever decision you make there. And, and that's right. He couldn't he would not have the backing of players who uh, assume that the media reports. <laughs> and I'm being very facetious when I wish I you could that. see Ned's face. Yeah. I wish you could have seen my face when John said cancel culture. <laughs> Come on, John. You're better than that. Now, this on, is my man. former profession, guys. And I it's have your seen current it, profession. Well, only in a sense. <laughs> I have seen it deteriorate to the point of absolute lunacy now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about another coach that had a bad week, a manager that had a bit of a bad week. Mike got chilted this week. Um, <laughs> he's out as the uh, Cardinals manager. I, let me say this. I know both of you weren't surprised. I was because he uh, he obviously made some adjustments mm-hmm. while late, but he made the adjustments, got the Cardinals playing well. They got into the uh, playoffs, and I thought, well, he bought himself another season. But apparently... Cardinals front office, when do you think they made up their mind? I don't think they made up their mind. I think they made up their mind midseason. What do you think? In all honesty, based on the inklings I've gotten and different things, I think they made up their mind during the postseason. I don't think it was a midseason determination. Oh, I do. I totally think that they, they had made up their mind and they had this all set up in – called him into the office or had the the Zoom call and said, so where do you see the Cardinals going? And when he said this, they were like, ah, you know, that's not where we see them going. So I think we need to part ways here. This is probably a pretty short I'm going to break the tie between you guys, and I'm going to side with John. I think that it happened in the postseason. However, I do think the inkling of such a decision yes. may have been made at midseason. You guys the, stop talking about inkling here. This is a family <laughs> radio show. The, the fact remains that they'd had several meetings. That the one in which they made the phone call to him was not the first one. There had been several meetings up to that point, and then all of a sudden, Mosellock and he 
announces the decision over the phone to him. And they made no bones about it. Schilt mm -hmm. was surprised. Everybody was surprised. Here's the key that I think really makes the big difference. The coaching staff, not all of whom are under contract to repeat, but Mose like did say, we hope the entire coaching yes. staff returns. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You're bringing back the platoon, but you're letting your leader go? Mm -hmm. There's something that's happened. Uh, yes, the direction of the team may have been very much in question. Here's one of the worst things that happened to Schild, in my opinion, was that 17-game winning streak mm -hmm. that helped to mask a lot of deficiencies in that ball club. And everybody forgot about it because they did make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And they could have gone on. They had the Dodgers on the ropes in that one game. The walk-off homer beat them, but by the same token, I think something happened in terms of a person-to-person -person disagreement with whom nobody maybe will ever know. Mm -hmm. But something certainly happened because uh, decisions that involve leadership are not made in that in that context in which you're overthrown. Sorry, we're going to let you go. No, you bring the person in, talk with them, have mm -hmm. discussions and all that sort of thing. And that apparently did not happen. I'm not surprised about the coaching decision because it is common in Major League Baseball now that the manager gets to choose one coach and the rest is hired by the GM. Mm -hmm. And typically it's the bench coach that's get chosen by the manager and then after that everybody else is chosen by the GM so they're all they're all Mizalox guys it, it, that, that's the point yeah that's yeah, the point I'm trying to make the, yeah. the, the, there's a certainly there's uh -huh. a a major uh, chasm between everybody involved yeah and you guys are dead wrong and I control the microphone <laughs> so I am right we'll be back with our picks coming up next <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Five minutes to the start of the pregame show. I'm Joe Weston. Joined by Ned Reynolds, John Oliver, Josh Roberts chimed in via text and he said, that. panic time. Yep. No, Already. No, Issues no, not no. fixable. No. So. Josh, you're, you're wrong, man. You're not here to defend it. <laughs> yeah, get your head out of the clouds, man. What are you smoking over there? All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> Don't be literal now. <laughs> right, let's, let's talk about our players of the week. It's brought to you by Morrison Webster and Carlton Ned. Oh, my player, player of the week will be Josh Allen of the uh, Buffalo Bills. I think he absolutely owned that game last week against the Chiefs. And while it's not a Chief, I do have to go with him. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I'll go with Derrick Henry. I mean, it. We've gotten complacent with him. Like, what he's doing is historic. And I think the fact he's on pace for over 2,000 yards again, you may not see anybody like this in a long let, time. Let me make a correction, too. I talked about the Giants being their next game. It's not. It's Tennessee. Oh, it's Tennessee. Tennessee right. Titans, yeah. Yeah, we talk about winning uh, the season in quarters. Uh, so far this quarter of the season, they are 1-1. One and one. They could very easily go 2-2 two and two this quarter of the season because they face Derrick Henry. So, Kyler Murray going to be my pick he's having a great season so he far he's having a fantastic season. season all right it's that time where we embarrass ourselves and we make our pick for today's <laughs> game uh let me point out so far this season i am four and one uh now granted some of those picks have been um 
shall we say, less than reputable. But I, that's my record, and I'm sticking to it. Ned, you've made it perfectly clear how you stand today, but where let's let's hear it officially. Really feel like Kansas City does not get the distinct challenge that they really need to make a determination as to what's going to happen, unless they struggle. If the Chiefs struggle against this team, the Washington football team, then I think there's cause for concern. I do not think the Chiefs will struggle today. I think they win it. I think they win it big. I'm going to give Kansas City the victory 38-14. to 14. If they struggle today, does Steve Spagnuolo have a job on Monday? I can't imagine, Joe, that a change of that caliber would be made even this year. You might remember that two years ago when there were all the complaints, the defensive coach was let go at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And he was a good coach. My he God. was. He coached at the U.S. Military Academy and the NFL. In, in Spagnolo's case, no. I don't think he would. No, no knee-jerk reaction. There. Where's Gunther Cunningham when you need him? No longer living, unfortunately. <laughs> well, let's, let's, do some, let's do something about that. It's alarm. <laughs> all right, John, what's your pick for today's game? I will say this. The Chiefs are a team that's very motivated. And even as rough as it's been, I think this will they will look at this as a statement game. So I do think <laughs> they will win. This is, as Ned said, it's the Washington football team. This isn't probably a contender. And I think they'll win. I'll, I'll make it a little closer, Ned. I think it's going to be 28-17 because I think they'll get up big early in the first half. And then Washington will get some kind of trash time, you know, a touchdown and a field goal here and there. All right. My pick, the winner, the winner pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think I pick the Chiefs, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pick them in a very close game. Okay. Because I don't think, uh, I, I think it's, I, I their defense is so historically bad. <laughs> I mean, it, and statistically it backs me up that they're historically bad, that this game will be a lot closer than Chiefs fans will even feel comfortable with. So I'm going to go um, 31-28. Butker Ooh. field goal wins the game. Bold. That's, Joe, that's what I'm What is the color of his T-shirt that he's wearing? <laughs> it happens to be, ladies and gentlemen, burgundy. And what is the what is the color of the Washington football team? Burgundy. It's burgundy. I'm wearing red. This is red. That's not red. This that's is red. Burgundy. Are you colorblind in your and old I've, age? I've... I've I've been a participant in wine that color. <laughs> what color is this, John? Uh, it's uh, it's not blue. It's oh, <laughs> Stop doing that. We'll see you guys next week. The pregame show starts now.